All right, hey everybody, welcome back for another exciting episode of Way of the Fist. As always, I'm your co-host Michael Hagen, and today I am joined by our co. Oh, wait a minute. Nope, I am not joined, unfortunately, unfortunately, by our co-host Jonathan CB. But I do have a very special guest with me today. I am joined today by none other than. Josh Simmers of the Okinawa Karate Podcast. Hey, brother. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. (laughs) Welcome to Way of the Fist. Uh, Second time being here, first time in person. Yeah, definitely. Well, actually, this is the first time that we've been able to record anything in person. It is. We just got done recording a short episode for the 2023 Kensankai Kangeiko in person, first time. And uh, now you've graciously invited me to be an in-person guest on Way of the Fist. Yeah. Unfortunately, because of the time and everything like that, Jonathan couldn't be with us today. Um, but yeah, we are here in Okinawa. And uh, I came for a... Uh, I came last week. And I'm here for a uh, Yamanedu Bojusu seminar with Oshiro Sensei. And then I've got uh, training all this week here with him and you joined us on uh saturday saturday i joined you for my first ever experience with yamani to do uh bojutsu and i want to thank you very much for the invite yeah and i want to thank oshiro sensei very much for letting me join it was a it was a great time i've been as you know talking to you for a couple years now and watching different things online i've been i've been looking at yamani to do and i see uh different people out there doing different things and i have questions um but uh aside from just moving of the bow i wanted to see oshiro sensei in person anyway yeah and look at look at how he moves his body so this was the perfect opportunity you know it's been a couple years since well what three years since you've been here uh three years exactly uh just over three years like a couple weeks over three years so a great opportunity for you to get back here and see your sensei in person i know how important that is and how special that is Good opportunity for you and I to get together, and <clears throat> I've been holding off trying to explore Yumani Ryu right. until I had an opportunity like this. Right. Um, I didn't see the need to to go anywhere else because I understand and and I know the history of Oshiro Sensei, right? And the respect that he he has from everyone for a reason. So this was the perfect opportunity. I get to hang out with my friend. Uh, I got to see some other people there that I knew that I, right. I wasn't expecting. And got to witness Oshiro Sensei in person. So, great, yeah, great opportunity. Well, because I remember <clears throat> Oshiro Sensei did a public seminar in 2020, I think, early yeah. to mid 2020, right as coronavirus was kind of kicking off. And you had initially wanted to go, <clears throat> but then had, you know, an, another family yeah. situation that day and, and couldn't go. So, we had talked a lot about yep. it. And, uh, so what I'd really like to do is before we get into a whole bunch of other stuff, kind of tell me a little bit like what what are your what are your some of your 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 thoughts your feedback after the after the seminar like yeah. what did you think going in and then now that you've experienced a little bit of it what, what do you think on the other side? So going in, I thought it's going to be extremely difficult to try to move the bow. <clears throat> The way that you you do from what i can see on on youtube videos etc right because i was watching how uh the, the sliding of the hands is while while you're not holding the bow in thirds you're right. not death gripping it thank goodness uh the way you lengthen and shorten the bow might be a little bit different than us 
Um, and then the way you cut the air, like mm. you and I have talked about this, right? And the way you, you handle the bow and your striking is, is a little bit different than yeah. ours. Uh, but really the footwork. Yeah. I, I was most concerned about, am I going to be able to, to pick enough up? Cause I could only attend for one day, right? right. It was two day seminar. I could only attend for one day. Am I going to be able to pick enough up uh, to make it worthwhile? And I, I could, you right. know, I mean, I cannot say for any second that I, I know what's going on with my feet, the way you guys move <laughs> your feet. And, uh, but I can definitely appreciate a lot more. So coming out of it, <clears throat> a couple things coming out of it that blew me away. Okay. First of all, we were there, uh, I guess we had just finished warmups and we didn't even pick up the bow yet. Mm. We were, we were doing warmups and sensei had us standing up and we were just kind of changing directions. Right. right? So some of the similarities I'll say is he demonstrated walking, right? Right. Having a, having a, how does a human being walk? And he had someone walk and then he uh, walked next to them and kind of demonstrated keeping the feet flat on the floor like if we want to move in karate, don't grip the floor with your toes. Okay, things like that. This makes sense to me because this right. is how I'm trying to practice now as well, right? Because uh, you and I have talked before we were recording, but some of the uh, the training that I have with my sensei overlaps. People have have been in and out of dojos mm-hmm. uh, with your sensei, so that that stuff makes sense. Now, here's something that blew me away, <clears throat> and we may have talked about this. I was trying to remember if you and I have talked about changing directions Mm. or turning in the past uh but here's what blew me away when we were standing there without a bow in our hands and we were trying to move in a 90 90 degrees from we're facing left we want to we want to face right right and we we might be in a cat stance kind of leaning more forward than i i was familiar with uh but this idea of picking up my feet to change directions okay i pivot right Mm -hmm. As you know, many yeah. people pivot. Many, everybody, many, everybody. Yeah, let's say, it's let's say, say let's everybody. Say everybody pivots. Right. And then, then I'm not even going to get into the discussion of is it the ball, the feet, or the or, or the, the heel. heel. Yeah, yeah that's, we can that's, save that for another episode. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't pivot. No, not at all. Okay. So now I'm being told to pick up my feet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this immediately discombobulated me. Right. So. My practice that I'm taught and, and, and what I try to focus on is turning the head to look where I'm going first, then moving my feet, and then if there's a, a hand technique that's coming in, then, then the hands, right? Um, so that kind of was the same thing. Of course, you're, you're moving your head, but this idea of picking the feet up had me completely out of my sorts. I just I couldn't get the concept. Well, well, you you and I went to lunch, and you remember I was asking you about this further. Okay, so here, here, here's why I was asking you about this at lunch. I don't think I had the opportunity to tell you. After we after we did a little bit of the warm-up with Oshiro-sensei, then he had us pick up the bow, right? Okay, then we're doing kihon with the bow, basically. We're, we, we didn't do kata, I think, until after lunch. Kata was after lunch, yeah. I think, yeah. So we're just going through some, some basics with the bow. But I was watching him move, because mm. he was gracious enough to demonstrate a lot of things. And I could hear his feet on the... Mm-hmm. the tommy match the whole time and i was saying well he's not picking his feet up i mean i can i could hear i i can't demonstrate this but you can hear where there was more mm-hmm. uh, pressure from mm-hmm. his feet mm-hmm. on the mat and you could hear where there was less mm-hmm. but you could hear it mm-hmm. yeah when he was moving forward de- definitely but then even when he was changing directions so i was chewing on this and i'm thinking well why am i picking my feet up so while we were eating that's when i asked you the question about uh, a piece of paper under right. your under your feet, right? right? Because this is a concept that we talk about: is think about 
your feet are only up enough for a piece of paper to slide under there. Right. And as you explained it to me during lunch, uh, this is your idea. This is Oshiro Sensei's idea as well. Right. But it takes a long time to get to there to get to that point. Right. right? Especially when you're not pivoting. And right. now I can understand it more. Okay, you want to be able to pick your feet up just enough, and like you said, so rice paper can go underneath there. Right. And I thought this was a really good way of describing it, to where you can pick your feet up, put your feet back down, and you never crinkle the paper. Right. Now think about how difficult that is with any piece of paper, right? Let alone <laughs> right. rice paper. Right. Okay, now I can understand your idea of picking the feet up. Yes, you are picking the feet up. You are moving the feet, but only enough to fit a, a piece of rice paper underneath right. there. That's why I can always hear that. Now, coming away from that after lunch, I felt a lot better. Right. Because it was it was tearing me up in the morning. I was like, I, I, I just I don't know if I can I don't know if I can get through the day. Right. <laughs> like it was it was really that it was that hard <laughs> for well, me to deal with. And, and that's where the you know this is again even in you know karate you know as you're learning you learn as a beginner you have to you kind of have to you have to dial things down a little bit right. So even this movement of what we're doing. We're picking one foot up, turning it, picking the other foot up, and putting it back down. And it's one at a time, right? Right foot, left foot, right yeah. foot, left foot. Yeah. But over time, as you develop, that's supposed to be right left. Yeah. Right left. Yeah. And then the amount of distance that you pick it up is really just to break the surface tension so that your foot comes off the ground enough for you can rotate and put it straight back down without the hop, hop, yeah. hop, hop. Yeah. Hop, hop. Okay, and that's what was getting me in the beginning. Is I, I mean, you were the way you were describing it to me, <clears throat> because you had to break it down so easy for me. Is yeah, literally pick your feet up, so it feels like a hop, hop at first, and right. then and then break it back down. So when you asked me at lunch, and even afterwards at dinner, and now today, things that I'm going to take away. Well, that's what I'm going to take away. Mm. That idea of being able to try to move in in a fashion of that way with the feet still on the ground. Not to say that I'm not going to pivot, but to say that I'm going to have less pressure. Right. And I think this is a this is a key point is to to have less pr less pressure. And and you know, my my um, reason for doing that, you and I have talked. Uh, I'll say it here while we're recording as well is because one of the guys that I train under, Pat McGill Sensei, mm -hmm. who trains under Shinzato Sensei, right. who is an old dojo mate of Oshiro Sensei, right. and there's so much similarities. Right. So I felt good coming away from that, and I've been in Shinzato Sensei's dojo and there half, were half a dozen times, and then there what, were like three or three, four, three of his, or four of Shinzato of his, Sensei students were there. Yeah, his students were there, um, and I thought they looked familiar when we were in the in the Budokan. Yeah, and then when we were sitting there eating dinner, I was like, Yeah, I know you guys. I, I've, mm. I've trained with you before. So yeah, that was great to see them there and to understand this is why those people do move the same way, and it's this, those are the things that I can take away from it. Now. That's that's without the weapon, right? Right. That's we haven't even got to oh, the weapon okay. yet. Okay. Let's no. There's one more thing. Let's okay. talk about without the weapon. Um, and I don't know how we can describe this without video, but uh, when when he had us trying to focus on oh uh, gamaku gamaku when we were turning, we're facing uh -huh. one direction. Yep. We're going to do a 180, but our yep. feet we take our let's say our feet are parallel. Right. And we, In heisokudachi. Yes. And we turn whatever foot you want. Let's say the right foot. If you can turn it 180 degrees. Turn right. it 180 degrees, but you're not, you're not stepping behind. You're literally just turning it. But this idea of you're gonna have to do a video. I'm gonna have to do a video on the apex, on apex, apex channel. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna have to do a video about this sometimes, so the, so the, the listeners can go back and and uh, understand it better. But 
but this idea of the movement as well, I think is fantastic. So, and I like that a lot for my kata. So especially when you tie that. So, you know, if I can explain, maybe go into a little bit more. If you're in Heisokudachi and you use your external hip rotation to basically try and turn your foot, the outside foot, whatever direction you want to go, almost 180 degrees the opposite direction as you're kind of bending down-ish mm -hmm. and then bring Slight your other bend. foot yeah. into it. So now you're in Heisokudachi facing and the opposite direction. The key there too was uh, keeping the elbow in. Uh -huh. So whatever side, whatever direction you're turning towards, the elbow is in, but the hand opens up outward. So yes. the thumb almost leads the direction. Correct. It's almost like you're hitchhiking, right? Right. You're hitchhiking in that direction. And all your body alignment just kind of falls into place. Right. This I'm definitely going to take away yeah. and practice on my kata. Yeah. So that that was actually no, that was not the first time I've experienced that drill, and it's actually a drill that I do in my 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 regular dojo class um, because it, it it you know in in karate in Okinawan karate it's, and you very rarely ever hear it in in the mainland because it's an Okinawan word, but this word gamaku. I mean, we've said it a couple times here, and it's kind of a nebulous concept um you know it's not your hip it's not your koshi it's not your core it's kind of your obliques it's like the the area between your obliques yeah. and your side and, and kind of with your ribs and kind of this in how to engage that you know and, and that's what that training was for is try to learn how to engage that and how you you have your your hand rotation forces your elbow in and by naturally doing that engages that that side obliques, mm -hmm. that side core area a little bit. I, I, th I try to think of it as the whatever part of your um, <clears throat> muscular uh, part of your body that connects the very top of your hip bone mm. almost all the way up to your armpit. Yes. All of that, that muscle in that area and kind of wraps around from the, the first six inches of the front of your body to the six inches to the back of your body. All of that is that and trying to tuck that in and go through that. So, yes. That's something I'm going to take away. Empty hand stuff. Empty okay. hand stuff. Now, okay, now. Now the well, bow. Now the bow itself. Oh, boy. The... <laughs> now the bow. Okay, first of all, Josh shows up with a standard Shredo bow. Which, which is? Which is tapered. Tapered. And uh, quite a bit thicker in the center, uh, which the bow that I have, standard Shredo bow, I literally sanded down several millimeters off of the, of the center of the bow. Like, from the center, probably, uh, okay, for those that death grip bow in thirds, you'll understand this. From, from the thirds to the center, I sanded it down because it was too the diameter was too large. I didn't like it, uh, and it's it's difficult. You and I yeah. just left Sharedo. Yeah. It's difficult to get a bow that you like there. Right. It really is. I love Sharedo. I right. really do. But it's difficult to get a, right. a bow that you like. Yeah, so I, this is why most people make their own, or they go to another uh, distributor or or our handcraft uh, person. Uh, but I did notice that everybody there had. Uh, lighter bows or well they were lighter i think but even a bit of a smaller diameter so right. where mine is at the tapered and straight end, and straight where and mine straight. is at the tapered part yours are typically the same diameter Correct. all the way down there's also the the emphasis on cutting the air right which with my bow is a little bit harder yeah very difficult i i have <laughs> in storage back in the u.s i have a shredo tapered bow that does not do well with right. the Yamane deal. So everybody I hear this, you know, everyone's cutting the, cutting the air with their bow. And I, I could make it, make that sound, but not doing the same techniques that, that we're uh, trying to focus on. All right, here's another thing that uh, takeaway. One of the things that uh, we focus on heavily with our, with our bow, 
most of the time, mm. most of the time, we're using left hand, right hand, both equally at 100%. Right. Not even 50-50. That's right. something that, like Pat Miguel Sensei talks about. Don't don't even put it in your mind that it's 50-50. It's not half-half. It's 100-100. When you're changing directions with a bow, both hands are active 100%. Hmm. For the most part. There's right. some areas in our kata where, where we, for reasons we don't do that, right? But... Uh, for a, a standard strike that we were doing on day one, which is basically a 45 degree mm-hmm. angle coming down. Uchi diagonal, yep. Think about the, I, I think about striking down uh, what is um, following the line of the, the your gi, basically. Right. Your gi. That's more, the collar. Half, half the people there weren't even in a gi. <laughs> but the it's collar, true. exactly. Uh, we, or I, or the way I'm taught and the way I do it, is I would use both hands equally mm-hmm. and I would, we would extend our front hand yep. and as we're striking through it's an even pull and push right basically with both hands so yours is not not at all not at that. all not so at all that. one one hand <laughs> is is oftentimes very dominant even even when we were doing the basic warm-ups where we were uh essentially changing hand changing mm-hmm. directions with the bow right you were saying that okay if you're uh changing directions here one hand that's lifting is probably going to be the dominant hand Whereas if we're doing a very similar technique, think think about, for those listening, think about holding the bow directly in front of you, right hand is facing up, left hand is facing down, and you want to change ends with the bow. So when you slide that over, not death grip it, but just slide it over or pivot in, in your hands, your left hand now ends up facing up, your right hand is facing down. We focus very much on trying to be 100%, 100%. And I think in the keyhole we were that way as well but then when there's certain areas when we get in the kata some sometimes you're you're using one hand more than the other so yes so yeah definitely in the switching that type of motion is going to be more of equal distribution but i would say i would i would describe it maybe just a little bit different probably the same concept just using different words is not so much a dominant hand but each hand has a job Mm -hmm. that can alternate if it will in different portions of a strike or a thrust, each hand is going to be doing something different that it may actually be the dominant hand, but it's, you might be going, as I'm thrusting out, one hand might be guiding, the front hand may be guiding and the, the back hand providing the thrust, but then as I begin to pull that back, maybe the same hand is being the pulling motion up to a certain point, and then that transitions to the other sure, hand. Sure. So each hand has a role that, and you have to, uh, basically switch back and forth mm-hmm. in the right spots to know which, which hand is supposed to be doing right. what as you're guiding the bow through a strike or, mm-hmm. or, or a thrust. or Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why I, I say for the most part we're 100-100, but in a, in, in a thrust, yeah, oftentimes we will have one hand that's a guiding hand where the other one is, is, is doing the work, let's say. Uh, the other one, it almost... As silly as it sounds, right? Like a pool cue, right? Yeah. The front hand is just just there to hold it and guide it, and then the back hand is the one that's that's doing the pushing and the pulling. Um, but the lengthening of the bow, hmm. or the the yeah, the lengthening and the shortening of the bow, changing the length and the in the uh, of the bow, and then also that the, the uh, striking is is something that's just a little bit different. I'll tell you this too: that the next day, my right arm was sore, my right elbow. Really? Yeah, because the really? way, yeah, I was, I, and this is probably because I, I couldn't quite get the concept of using my hands. Mm. 
the right we're using the, the the left and the right equally but because we were striking so much on the left hand side coming down right yeah my right arm my right elbow i could feel it i was like okay well i wasn't stopping the bow properly then i was mm. i was tightening up too much and using that tendon right and this is something that you came over and told me later on well it, as a beginner don't worry about stopping parallel with the if you're striking don't worry about stopping parallel you can let the weapon go down past parallel and then bring it back up right which brought up the okay i'm just gonna say it i brought up the joke about this is why people strike the floor right yeah and you mind you hitting, do, because yeah. i've seen people hit the floor right with their bow and this is the one of the questions that i've brought to you early on right well hey why do people hit the floor and i think you're some i have no idea well, there's probably more words in there than that. But. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's where even I like to describe this part as there's the things that we have to do to teach beginners. And then there's what the way it's supposed to be. And what happens oftentimes in the, the middle is it never gets that transition. Yep. Yep. And yep. so people keep doing either because either they didn't understand what their sensei told them or their sensei didn't know, yeah. or it's become, this is how we do it because yeah. this is how I've done it. And it never made the progression yeah. into what it's supposed to be. Because the there are techniques where we bring the bow past parallel, but not very often in our basic, you know, keso uchi <clears throat> or, you know, and, and part of that is because once it go past parallel, it's dead. The bow is dead. It's not doing anything. You, then you have to, the distance that it goes down, it has to come back yeah, up to that yeah. parallel distance before you can go to the next move. Right, right. You know, and <clears throat> very similar concept. Um, there, there's time we, there's times that we will go past parallel because that's what we're supposed to do in the kata, but absolutely the same concept. There's other times where we, we do not because why go past that distance? Or right. <clears throat> same thing in changing planes, right? If it's on, the weapon's on the same plane, it's good. Theoretically, it's going to move easier. Right. Now, if the kata tells you to change planes, there's ways ways to do that. Right. And that's where the left hand, right hand dominance might come in. But <clears throat> overall, I, I got to say that I was I was very pleased yeah. with what I got to experience, uh, especially being my first time. I also got to experience how kata changes. Do you remember after launch, I got to experience that you you all changed? I was there the day. I can't even remember the name of the kata, but I was there the day it changed. What was the kata we were doing after lunch? The 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 very first your basic very first basic kata. Um, Doni no kunichi. Okay, and when we're going to the back, there's three strikes. Right. I was there the day that it turned into one. I can yeah. mark that down in my <laughs> my book of karate history, kobujutsu history. I was there the day that the the kata changed, and we joked about it. this yeah. is how kata changes, right? Yeah, it's how kata changes. Because and then it went sen back to three. Sensei ran out of room. <laughs> sensei ran out, sensei of room. ran out of room. We're not doing the other two strikes. All right, turn around, no problem. That's exactly how it works. Yep. <laughs> well, you know, and he he talked about that, uh, you know, kata changing. You know, he he describes it as there's there should be three versions essentially of a kata. There's there's the version that you do. In your own training when you're in you know a dojo like here where we're at now and it's you know nine o'clock at night and you're just doing your own training and you can basically do whatever you want mm -hmm. then there's the version that you do for your organization that you teach and what the organization decided is is the the way mm -hmm. and what you do for testing and then he also talks about then there's the competition or the demonstration version of what you do and those shouldn't all be this. Those shouldn't all three of those should not necessarily be be the same. 
Um, and I actually had a follow-up conversation with them about it, you know, caveat. I think you answered this already in the seminar, but I've been thinking about this when I'm training on my own, like especially this, this one kata where it's easy to make some adjustments. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's totally fine. You know, you go forward and then you turn around and you go forward again and you end up in the same spot. Or you start here and instead of staying in place, you move backwards and then you come back. Mm -hmm. And then you end up in the same, same place. Um, because, you know, the idea of kata we forget that there should be another person that you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're moving mm -hmm. and they're moving mm -hmm. and things like that. So, you know, when you, when you break it down, the problem becomes is when one of those goes from one category into another category, that's when we have problems. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. The, your, your, your normal co-host, I think that the Renme that he belongs to yeah. fits very well into the category that you just described. Um, of having the way you do it on your own, the way you do it at your Hongo Dojo, and then the way you do it with the Renmei. Right. Right. And, yeah, and exactly. You know, we talked exactly. about that. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Because uh, I can't wait to see Jonathan get in person, by the way, because there's a lot of things I want to do with well, him. Well, I think he will be up. here at least once, if I, not twice I, this year. I'm sure he will. Um, because his Kobodo and my Kobodo are similar, they come from the same uh, family, but somewhere along the lines, we changes have been made and i know from from talking to jonathan and also from listening to your, all of your episodes of way of the fist he talks about this quite a bit about his training with the renmei and then his training when he goes back with his sensei mm. and how it it changes it can yeah? be different and there's things i want to talk to him about but i it, it, over video or over even text it doesn't even matter so i'm just gonna wait for him to get here and and we'll we'll get together i'm sure and go through stuff but that idea is not foreign to me i I perfectly understand it. Uh, even if it's just changing the tempo of right. a kata, right? For a demonstration purpose. Or, right. yeah, I mean, everyone's going to do that. I think I wouldn't go so far as to say we have tournament kata that's so different from what we have that we would do in our normal dojo, but you would, you would, you would change the tempo. Right. And you would emphasize certain techniques probably right. in front of the judges. Right. That's, that's, that's about as far as we would probably go with it. But, I also got to see Oshiro Sensei demonstrate Sai briefly. Right. Right. Uh, and he didn't even we didn't he didn't even really move right. at all. Yeah, and I mean that was still because we were doing bow. He just right. wanted to hit on some key points there. So I was happy I at least got to see that uh, live for about uh, a minute and a half. Yeah. <laughs> because I've only ever got to see that on video as well. Well, I wish that I wish that he had done a little bit more. Yeah. Um because like I know uh, I've sent you a, a video doing Sai and I had to, you, you know, you can't start in the middle, like with the one kata that I, that I think of that I sent you, you can't start in the middle of the room because yeah. before you get to the second move, you've already ran out of the wall. You have to essentially start at the far left of the room and then go all the way to the right and then come all the way to the back. Mm -hmm. And that's three steps. But the way that our footwork is when we are doing Sai are that we cover so much distance. Um, in fact, I think he, no, it might've been a different, uh, I think it was later we were doing it and he's like, you need to cover more distance. He's like, when you're doing your, when you're doing, it was probably bow, on Sunday, maybe on Sunday, yeah. he's like, you need to cover more distance. And speaking of Sunday, you know, I texted you after, like, I think at lunch and I was like, I wish that you'd been able to come for like the first hour and a half yeah. uh, of Sunday because he, he did a, a, 
some more drills and some more footwork and things like that that he didn't cover on on Saturday before we got into kata and more mm-hmm. kumibo and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which were more of the same excellent excellent material, of course. But the things that I think you would have really been interested in were like that first hour hour and a half on Sunday would have been would have been phenomenal. Well, I've got you. You've got me. <laughs> I am here. I've got you. <laughs> I am <babe>. here for <laughs> you. Well, I, I appreciate that, but you've been here for your sensei, and I'm really happy for you. I mean, yeah. you. Today was the only day you, you trained. Well, you didn't train half a day. You trained a full day, but your sensei was there only half a day, and then gave you homework. He, yeah, so he had to leave at lunchtime. He had to take somebody to the airport, and then some had some errands that he had to run. But he gave me some homework, and so I will say that even though I did train in the afternoon. And today was probably the, the l- and I hesitate to put this this way, but it was probably the least physical-ish of the days that, of the previous four days of training that I've had, two days of seminar and two days of training. Um, but actually today was, um, I got some really good feedback and I could really feel some of that movement, yeah. you know, some of that gamaku being able to alien and then kind of like, oh, it's starting to click. You know, one thing that, you know, for our listeners who have heard me talk either on the way of the fist or on the Apex podcast, I'm a firm believer in recording yourself so that you can see what you're doing, especially if you're training on your own and you don't have access to your sensei or something like that or a coach to see you. But even there, this really, this trip so far has really highlighted for me why you need somebody to to look at you um because i've heard so many times you know and i'll say it in japanese it's like chigao 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 which is different it could be wrong it could either be wrong or different um it means both but in my mind i was like well i thought that that's what i was doing the last three years mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. it's like because yeah. i've been on my own japan was closed i couldn't get in um, and this is my first opportunity to come back. And so, you know, for the past three years, it's like, well, I thought that that's what I was doing. Like, well, no, that's not what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're clearly not doing mm-hmm. that thing that I told you to do. I'm like, well, this is what I thought. What I thought you told me to do this. Like, even we had this conversation yesterday and uh, on a different part of the Bokat. I'm like, well, I thought you told me to move my hand this way. And he's like, no. I'm like, well, okay, well, but here there's this video right here where you've got this person doing it that way. And he's like, well, that's not right. <laughs> like I want you to move in. I'm like okay he's like well it's not that big of a deal I'm like I know it's not that big of a deal I can make that adjustment I just thought I was doing it the yeah. proper way and yeah. so I you know put all this time in so it really highlights why you need to have somebody there to look at you yep. and see what you're doing because yeah. even when you're using video like I recorded myself at the end right before you came and picked me up and you know there's even then when I was doing it, like it's hard to see in the video, especially because you're talking about some of the things that he's talking about, yeah. you know, how, how, you know, gamak, you're wearing a t-shirt and maybe, maybe you can tell, maybe you can't tell right. depending on the angle of right. the camera. Right. And so, but it really highlighted why, you know, if at all possible, you know, video and zoom is like a 70% solution and it works when that's all you've got, but you really, you really need somebody to, to look at you or, kind of tying in with some of the other things we've talked about is you really need to have an extremely high level of self-awareness 
to be able to recognize what you're actually doing. Yeah, and let's face it, that's not easy to have. I no. mean, that you you could train in something for several decades and not have that if that wasn't your focus, right? Or if nobody told you or about it. Or if nobody it. told you. But you, this idea of recording yourself is is such a great idea. When I come down here on Sunday mornings and I'm doing Zoom training, my sensei is back in America, right? So I'm living on Okinawa. And I train uh, my Kobodo sensei in America, right? So how does that happen? Backwards, right? How does I, that I will happen? say he's an o- he's a, he's Okinawan, so I can I can at least say that, right? I mean, his his d- dad was American, mom was Okinawan, so. Uh, but it's weird that I'm here in Okinawa on Sunday mornings, and I'll set my my camera up and record me, right? Just so I can have something to go back and watch, and it is so humbling and embarrassing at the same right. time. Like, my gosh, I. In my mind, I'm doing exactly what he wants me to do, or what he's right. what he's telling us to do, right? Then I watch his videos, and no, this is this is horrendous. Not even you know? close. Yeah, and I'm wearing a gi, you right. know, most of the time. So, yeah, definitely go out there and record yourself if you're not doing it, or uh, looking well, uh, even looking in a mirror. But recording yourself is, uh, I think, better. You know, there, there, there's people that that actually will discredit that and say, yeah. no, that don't look in a mirror. Let your body be the be the mirror. That's a perfect way, in my opinion, a perfect way to build really bad habits. Right. You know, once you get to a certain level, perhaps you can feel that, but I, I don't know that I will get there. I think you need a mirror, or you need to record yourself, or you just don't care. So, you know? yesterday we were at uh, at the dojo, and there was, a, there was a young gentleman that came, and he was he was training, and with you or uh, he uh, he wasn't necessarily training. I mean, he he was training on his own. In the same place we were at. Okay. And, you know, he's with, with us, at, at, not at the Badojo, at, at, at the Oh, other okay. Dojo. So it was in so your home dojo. In, in the home dojo ish. But uh, he he was doing some stuff, and like even the way he was like tilting his head. So he's younger, right? Probably spends a lot of time on his phone, right? So he's got this like kink in his neck. And so when he's doing kata, that comes through. Mm. And so if you don't have a mirror, or you're not recording yourself, you're never going to know that your head is like sticking forward and tilted to the side. Yep. Right. And that's just a basic, that's not a karate thing. That's a basic posture issue that now is being translated into because of the way he carries himself. You know, I go, I, I I have a physical therapist that I go to and she is constantly, you know, working on my neck and my shoulder Mm -hmm. and she is constantly scolding me and asking me how I'm sitting at the computer when I'm at work. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and, you just and, you just touched your left shoulder. I did. Yeah, you yeah. have an issue with your left shoulder. Oh yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> when I was I was standing behind you at the at the seminar. Yeah. Every and time was it was it higher? Yes. And sensei would come down and push my shoulder. I, down. He never. He, I don't know that he ever. Oh, came not over that you, time. But I noticed every single time your left shoulder was higher. Yeah. It's interesting that it's so. I mean, it's quite a bit higher. Yeah, because I have a back issue. Okay. Part well, of it. Yeah. I mean, I was <laughs> like, wow, there. Michael's got something going on there. Yeah. 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 And so, like, especially. You know, I saw her the day before I flew to Tokyo and because I needed her to work on my neck because it was really stiff. And in, so three days of Kobudo traveling on the airplane, different beds, different pillows, yeah. everything like that. You know, now two days of Kobudo, two, 
three days of karate and still two more days to go. Yeah. It's like, I need to go see my You'll be brother. You'll oh. be happy to see her when you get back <laughs> yeah, home. I yeah. will be. But that's a fantastic point. If you don't record yourself and look at that, but then you also have to be you have to be aware of it. You have to know to look for it, right? Um, right. And a lot of us, it comes back to what you just said, though. You need a sensei. You, you need somebody to point it out. You right. need a sensei or you need someone in your dojo or another person to to point it out for you most right most times i feel yeah. you know and it's kind of interesting though too is because different people see different things right there was you know you know we, we over the last several days been working with with some different people and you know when sensei would look and sensei would say something and sensei would say something about one part but then I would see, well, what about that knee that's like collapsed right there mm-hmm. on this one move, this one part where this person does it every time this knee comes in like this, I'm like, well, how come nobody says anything about that? Right. And so it's like, it's funny how people's perception yeah. yes. can be different. Yes. You know, in, even in the same thing, you have three people standing around looking at another person yeah. and they all see sometimes yeah. different things. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of a, you know, interesting you know, facet of human observation. Well, in that in that case, we always defer to sensei, right? That's that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Where do we go from here, man? So where we go from here is that's a really good question. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about. You minded you. You minded you. You take the set your your experience. My, yeah, experience and impression before and after. Yeah, and uh, what's your plan? What's, what's, what, what have you have got going on now outside of the seminar? So outside the seminar, um, it's, it's good. This is going to be a pretty busy February for me. Um, well, right now we're sitting in uh, the place where I do jiu-jitsu three days mm. a week, <clears throat> the BJJ House Okinawa. Okay, well, let me just interrupt you there before you get to the rest of your month. Okay, so you've been doing jiu-jitsu now for six uh, months, eight months? No, I think April will be one year. Okay. April or May will be one year. Okay, so just shy of a year. Mm -hmm. So I have a little bit of jujitsu experience, Mm -hmm. um, and until I hurt my shoulder, which is probably another contributing factor, neck and everything like that. Yes, I can can vouch for that myself. Um, How did you get started? Okay, so let's step back from jujitsu for minutes. You've been doing karate for how many years? Almost 20. Almost twenty years, and Kobodo for the yeah, almost same. almost the same. Uh, less because my first dojo did not have Kobodo. Okay, as a kid, yeah. And you've been here in Okinawa training karate for how long? Seven years. Seven years. Yeah. With Kobodo, yeah. This time. Yeah. But you were also here in Okinawa before. But I did not train at that time. I only okay. drank beer. You only drank beer. Yeah. Okay. But I was right. at least, so you had I lots was, of izakaya uh, training. At least a hachi down in beer drinking. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so almost 20 years of karate experience, mm. the last seven of which, right, seven, mm. you said, have been here in Okinawa. Mm-hmm. And for the past year, you've been doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. What, what, caused, what, what, what prompted you to do that? Okay, so what prompted me to do that was a couple different things. One, uh, during COVID, a lot of things shut down, right? right? So I, I work from home. My outlet every night was to go to the dojo. Right. Uh, and and for five years, that's what I was able to do. Well, COVID comes along. People are shut down. Can't really do anything for about a year on Okinawa, maybe a year and a half, because it wasn't quite as bad as it was in some areas of the world where they locked things down. But then uh, my sensei, who's in his 80s, mm. <clears throat> 
uh, he stayed closed for quite a while, uh, longer than many other people, and he was very concerned about his health. And we weren't yeah, going to try to, yeah, we didn't want to pressure him or anything like that. So it was like, okay, well, I can, I'm can do, still do my training at home, but I miss that that camaraderie, I miss that atmosphere of training with other people, and I've wanted to try a different art for a while specifically something that goes a little bit more into the hands-on right away right? right which okay judo does that well with herniated discs in my neck herniated discs in my low back torn cartilage in my right shoulder i don't know if judo is going to be good for me yeah mm-hmm. um so was there somebody that recommended that you, well, you do jujitsu <laughs> so in one of our calls so my <laughs> so for those of you listening to the way of the fist yes uh, Michael and myself and another man who has a fantastic uh, podcast called The Invisible Sensei. Also are, a previous guest on The Way of the also Fist. Also a previous guest on The Way of the Fist and the Okinawa Credit Podcast, Mr. Tordy Dotson. We were talking one day about if we could go back in time or even start right now, what other discipline would we train? Hmm. And I had said I would like to do something more hands-on, more grappling, something like jujitsu or judo or something like that and yes you said you need to try jujitsu as a matter of fact you went so far as to looking up dojos for me yeah i sent you i sent you You, a list like two or three yeah and like one of them specifically said you need to go here and i looked into it and the only reason i didn't is because sadly far it was far from me but sadly they also had this weird thing where they wanted like money up front and they wanted yeah it was Mm. it reminded me of almost a mcdojo the way you had to pay so much money i said no not doing that and it was just a little bit too far from my house um so as i'm looking and i'm looking as you know there's a lot of military here in okinawa right a lot of u.s military bases um there's a lot of young 18 to 25 year old gis that are incredibly fit and are built to tear things apart right including other human bodies. And uh, I did not want that type of dojo. So I'm scrolling Facebook, you know, kind of somewhat here and there, not really looking too hard. And then all of a sudden this thing pops up, a new dojo, BJJ House Okinawa. It looks like a new dojo. I don't see a lot of people there. There's not a lot of history. So I text the, the, the person. I text the, the Facebook page and I yeah. said, I'm, I'm interested. Are you accepting new students? And the person responds in broken English. And says, uh, yeah, I am accepting new students. Do you have any experience? And as I'm getting ready to respond, I have no jujitsu experience and explain a little bit about my background. I get this next message that says, if you're looking for the BJJ fight, this is not the dojo for you. I can refer you. And I said, I'm not looking for the BJJ fight. I've got some issues with my body. I'm just looking, you know, to add something to my martial arts discipline. Okay, come on out. So I came out. And uh, that was, at, I think, April of last year. Yeah. Hands-on day one. I mean, yeah. you don't do jujitsu by yourself. You can no. do you can do conditioning. There's a couple of drills. Yeah, and, yeah drills, but... but you are hands-on yeah. on the first day. And I fell in love with it. Yeah. I fell in love with it. And here, let me tell you why I fell in love with it. <laughs> I got killed mm. by people's legs. Yeah. On the mat. Yeah. And I rolled with a brown belt, a blue belt. Another white belt, maybe two blue belts that day, a purple belt, and they all destroyed me with their legs. Yeah, and I I was blown away. Right now, okay, there was looking back at it, there was a lot of arms going on. <laughs> yeah, there. but uh, I specifically remember this one brown belt. He was a little bit taller than me, a little bit skinnier than me, and I mean he had more of a karateka body. Right, and the way he 
used his legs, whether he was on the top or on the bottom, blew me away. And I said, I got I want to explore this more. Yeah. So uh, I fell in love with it, and I've been I've been coming here. It was one day a week because that's all Sensei was teaching uh, for probably the first three months, and then uh, he decided to implement a, a Tuesday and Thursday class. And I've so Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays. Here I am at the BJJ Tuesday, House. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays. Yeah, BJJ so House, it, Okinawa. Would it be incorrect to say that perhaps you're training more jujitsu than karate oh, these days? Oh, so now you sound like my wife. <laughs> <laughs> She says to me, uh, why are you watching so much jiu-jitsu on, uh, on YouTube? Well, yes, I am. Uh, and then uh, karate is formally one day a week in the dojo, and kobudo is formally one day a week in the dojo. But then uh, Mondays, and when, Mondays and Fridays are my days off of, of formal dojo training, but there's, there's personal things that go on there for my training, of course. Uh, but yeah, right now in the dojo... What are you trying to say? I need to change my no, podcast? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> But I, I got to say that I got very, very lucky. When I came in here at the time, the average age uh, of the of the um, uh, people of this dojo was like 45 years old. Mm. And everybody had some sort of a physical issue, right? Yeah. Now we have a, a handful of people in their 20s. I still don't think we have anybody in their 30s, but the average age now is probably somewhere in the mid-30s. But the the uh, concept of, I train under Helio Damiani Jr., and uh, he's got... 25 or so years experience um mostly up in, in mainland japan uh, a lot of heavy competition in his background yeah and he's he's done with that yeah uh, he'll he'll he doesn't care if other people want to go do tournaments but that's not what he's teaching for at all right he is very much in search of uh becoming a, a true martial artist and yeah. he's on this he's on his own personal journey if you yeah. want to come along for the ride that's great yeah. but it's not about you being him Right. It's all about you, you being, being you. you, and uh, he's just here to share. and And he'll admit he's like, I'm learning from you guys as well. He had me come in here and show him some things with the bow one day. He wanted to learn just yeah. how to how to handle some stuff with the bow, and uh, it's talk about stepping. He he he's all discombobulated. Yeah, I and bet. I was like, what? Something's weird with your feet here, and what's going <laughs> on? And finally, he's like, Yeah, I can't even stand up straight without being in pain because his hips. And, yeah, uh, I was like, All right, well. Yeah, yours the way you step is very weird, right? <laughs> even even worse than me on that first day of the seminar. But yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, man. And I tell you, um, I can start to see a great connection and benefit. Okay. Now, does that mean that I'm one of these guys that's going out there and watching jujitsu videos and then gonna start posting videos on Instagram saying, "See, this is the real karate"? No, not at all. Because they are different. And for right. anybody that says, well, I don't need a ground game because I can just do my kata on the ground. Okay. Let me see you do that. Let me see you do your kata. Let me see on, how that works let's, out for yeah, you. Let's, let's play that game. Uh, but we got a guy in here that's got a bunch of years like in uh, Aikido mm. and some different forms of martial arts. And I love working with him because he's always trying to do wrist locks and stuff, right? Yeah. And it comes back to what you guys, you and Jonathan have said on this uh, podcast, but you know, there's, there's, you have to have that shock before the lock, Locked, right? Yep. So we're not in here punching each other, biting right. each other, kicking each other. So you find out certain things are pretty gosh darn hard to put on right. a non-compliant uke. Right? Yeah, absolutely. We're not letting each other grab, well, you can grab my wrist, but I'm going to try to stop yeah. you, right? We're not letting each other just put an arm bar we're going to try to stop you so from that point of it because let's face it when we do our yakso kumite uh, there's a lot of karate. Dojo, yeah, in karate, karate. In karate. 
a lot of dojos out there talking about pressure testing this and pressure testing that and there's benefits perhaps to doing certain types of training but when you're doing that type of yakuza kumite it is it is promised kumite right yeah and of you're course. working with a compliant uke and right. that's very good because you need to be safe you, you, you don't want to be injuring yeah. each other uh, but it, it it's it's a good experience to work with a non-compliant uke in a controlled manner as well and right. that's what i feel i'm getting here the, right. the conditioning aspect of it is fantastic it's just a good group of people that want to come in here roll have a good time and go to work the next day right you know so i found the i found the perfect place uh it's not gonna fit everybody but i found it and hey i've got an extra gi you know tomorrow night we'll be <laughs> we'll, in here we'll see what happens tomorrow <laughs> night we'll see what happens tomorrow, tomorrow night's night. a fundamentals class so it's it's yeah. uh, very controlled very controlled uh yep low low tempo very yeah. controlled saturdays is uh what we call um flow yeah flow jitsu flow jiu-jitsu flow jitsu yeah a lot of times believe it or not a lot of times we put on soft music since really? he set the timer does he turn the lights down low <laughs> How you, that's next i think uh and uh you roll depending on however long he sets that timer sometimes it's one hour and you can change partners yeah but it's the it's the idea of don't stop you know and and you have to control yourself you have to force yourself not to exert too much energy mm. uh even if the other guy is you know, you're out there, you hope to be out there for an hour. It's, it's right. you're not like he's going to kick you out of the dojo if you can't do that. But it's a, it's a pretty gosh darn good personal challenge. Uh, so fun. have you, uh, have you noticed any crossover per se or carryovers and things that went like, oh, now this makes sense? Okay. Yes, I have. Now here, well, <laughs> Some things have made less sense. Okay. Well, okay. Well, uh, some things in kata have made less sense. Okay. Okay. This, well, let's start there. It, and this comes back where things that you may have been told are uh -huh. applications in kata are like, mm, I don't think so. Even though, yes, I'm on the ground here, but certain things that have been like cross collar chokes in kata, uh, you realize now the way you're moving your hands, you're not choking anybody. You might be uh, disrupting their balance, which is a fantastic thing to do, but you're not choking. So we'll stop calling it that, right? So, okay, so use that demonstration. Tell me what, what part of like what kata in our in our kata of ananku do you do an ananku mm, no. okay we have a we have a kata in okinawa kempo in called ananku and and other i think um shodenji do you might have this yeah they yeah. do they have this one and there's a part where our hands come up mm -hmm. and now of course the, the folks listening can't uh see this but basically i'm crossing my hands in front of me like an x like an x and my palms are open and in facing the kata, towards you facing towards me and in the kata, we 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 act as if we're grabbing something. So mm -hmm. now my open hands go to closed hands. Right. And then I turn my uh, my hands away from me. Mm -hmm. And then I pull down. Okay. And then and then I strike. So I was always told, or at least I and I, I was told this that this is a cross collar choke, and then you're punching the person. <clears throat> One of the first things I did in here on week two, week three, or whatever was a, a choke, and turning the hands like that was opening the collar. Yeah. Not closing the collar. Yeah, because you need to go the other exactly. way. Exactly. Instead exactly. of going this way, you, you need to, to go close this in. Right. So. Which is interesting that that's how you're taught, because when I, I remember when I went to Jiu-Jitsu, so in, uh, you know, 
you know, you'll see it in, in Shitoryu, for example, yeah, like yeah. you see it in competitions like Chaitanya Kushanku, and they bring the hands up and then they, they bring the yes. hands, they cross the hands yes. in an X up high and then they curl so their fist and bring it those down. Those hands are open going right. up and they then they grasp something and pull down. Right. Yes. Yes. And so, or in, for example, in our Wankan, the hands come up and then they go out like this. Yes. Right. And so I know that that's an exaggeration, but everybody typically will say, oh, this is like an X block up. A, a, and I'm like, okay, never mind. That is actually a cross collar. When, you, when, you, when you're bringing your hands up like this and then you bring them down like this, yeah. and I'm like, okay, well, that is clearly a cross because as you're bringing the person yeah. into you, which is exactly how it is. Yep. And so I remember that day and I was like, oh, all that other stuff that those people that was wrong. Yeah. This is clearly this. There's no such thing as an upper X block. I'm gonna, you know, someone's yeah. over. So I mean, yeah, okay, there, there could be. Yeah. But I'm like, when I take this full range of motion of what the people are doing in the kata, that is clearly a cross collar choke. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, your hands may, you know, you may have to get deeper and come in and and adjust and stuff like that. Here's something that I I learned as well, and we we talked about this uh, previously with like turning the body when we yeah. were uh, training with the sensei, right? And why your elbow is in and your hand is out, whatever. The importance of uh, where your elbows are at mm -hmm. is super important in jujitsu, right? Yeah. Or how your arm is extended in front of you, or or uh, your arm is bent just a little bit, you're bent, or it's bent at 90 degrees, your elbow's tucked into your side. You, you, most of the time, we don't want our elbow flaring out. Right. That's a very dangerous situation to be in. Uh, the caveat to that is a lot of times uh, our legs, as much as I'm impressed with how certain people use their legs in, in jiu-jitsu, uh, there it, it can be quite a bit different than how we're using it in karate there's a lot of times we're opening ourselves right mm -hmm. this is so this, this is the part that concerns me where i've talked with other people in the dojo and and i always want to keep this in mind one of the things i've i've forced myself not to focus on is tournament points yes because it's confusing to me for one and number two i don't care about the points right. because it has nothing to do with self-defense but in jiu-jitsu, if you're looking at things like even in this dojo, we expose our center line a lot because mm -hmm. we're safe. We're right. not worried about eyes. We're right. not worried about our groin. Although, I mean, yeah, I don't want to get kicked there or need there. But, off, but when no, you, nobody's when, going when, to try. When I'm, exactly. When I'm pulling you into my guard, my legs are wide open and I'm wrapping right. my legs around you. Whereas that's a very, you would never do that. Never, right? never, so never. These are the things that's like, okay, you got to really be super careful about. So one thing that I want to kind of tie in here is it's not just about jujitsu or, you know, it applies to all of these things is you have to know where to apply what. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, using a jujitsu example is I've seen numerous situations to where, for example, police officers in America have gotten injured trying to apprehend or control a suspect using the jujitsu just like it is on the mats. Yeah. Well, when you're wearing your uniform and you have your duty belt and your gun and your baton and your radio and your vest and you're on the concrete yeah. and there's curbs and things like that, trying to do the things like, and I'll give you a, a perfect example. My daughter did about two years of jujitsu, a year and a half to two years. The first thing that she wants to do is sit down and pull guard. Mm -hmm. She wants to pull you in as soon as as soon as if you're standing and you know you slap fingers and bump fist. All she wants to do is 
put her butt on the floor mm -hmm. and grab hold of your arm and try to get you into guard. And I was like, well, that's great. Jiu-jitsu on, when the, on you, the mat. When, you, when yeah. you're in the dojo yeah. on the mat. Yeah. But you can't start off a confrontation expecting somebody to just fall into your guard right. so right. that you can apply an arm bar to them. Right. The other thing uh, I'll say about our, our dojo here is we very rarely start standing up. Yeah. And there's a couple reasons I've asked Sensei why. And, uh, one is safety. That's right. the, A lot of times that's where injuries are going to come in, right? And you need mm -hmm. to spend a lot of time with break falls yes. if you want to do it properly. Right. Now, for people that want to go to a tournament, you're going to start standing up or you're going you're gonna to do like you just demonstrated. Somebody's going down uh, to their butt first. Um, but the other thing is I am kind of happy with my stand-up right now. Mm. Be because karate stand-up is quite a bit different than jiu-jitsu tournament right. stand-up. Oh, absolutely. Again, we're not striking. We're not right. kicking. So I I kind of want to stay away from that because I, I don't want to it mix the two. Now, the grappling side, I think there's a lot to learn there. Yeah, but of again, course. that's if I wanted to really focus on that right. in the stand-up. And maybe down the road I will. Um, especially you've been on the mat in there. You know yeah. it's pretty soft. That's oh, a yeah. good soft St mat. Stand-up is not something yeah. that I want to do on that floor. Yeah. Uh, I, I really don't want to necessarily anyway unless I focus on that heavily, right? right. With, with injuries I already have, I don't I don't want any more. So, but but also I, I I'm not I'm not gonna I'm gonna hopefully not let you get a grip on me. And even right. if you do, I'm gonna let you have that grip as long as your eyeballs are still open, right? I mean, let's <laughs> yeah. just face it. There's, right. So my stand up's a little bit different than that. Yeah. Or my my foot is not just gonna be going to trip your ankle. It's gonna be doing something different. But right. Overall, man, I gotta. I tell you, I love it. So, yeah. the takeaway for me is, if if you want to train another art, go do it. Right. You know, it doesn't mean you have to go spend five thousand dollars and buying gear or five hundred dollars and buying gear. And then go try it out, check it out, see if it works for you. Uh, but I, I I enjoy jujitsu quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. I I I would have started earlier if I found a dojo like this. It was just the right timing, man. Yeah. Right well, timing. you know, sometimes that's just the way it is. <clears throat> way you know, it is. When, when you're ready for it. The opportunity yep. will will make make itself available. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I I am a a, a big uh, proponent of jujitsu. Again, I only did it for about six months before I got injured, and you know, got two or three stripes there, and was, yep. was on my way to getting blue belt. You yep. know, within a year, a little over a year, had I been able to continue, and I I really enjoyed it. There was a lot, you know, and the place that I went was a Gracie affiliated place, mm -hmm. you know, with Pedro Sauer, who is a direct student Phenomenally of well known. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, direct student of, of Helio Gracie and was brought in by Hickson to be a training partner. And so one of the things I really liked about it was I would go to the class, even sometimes it ended up being, and that's kind of what held me back a little bit from getting stripes was I would go to the Gracie self-defense, the Gracie combat, combatives, combatives cl yes. system class. Yes sometimes more during the week than I would go to the fundamentals class. And in fact, one of the instructors was like, you know, Michael, those don't necessarily always count for, you yeah. know, number of classes towards your stripes. And I'm like, well, this is really what I'm, I'm more interested in. I mean, I want to get, you know, I'd like to get the blue belt for, for that's cool and enrolling with people is cool, but I want to learn these because they're a supplement to my karate to look at it from a different perspective. Yeah then I may have to, you know, because it's like, okay. And, and you know, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but if you're, you know, like somebody like you or I, who karate is our primary, 
and you want to learn jujitsu to be able to be more comfortable on the ground and to be able to control people on the ground, really blue belt is where it's at. Because anything after blue belt is, yes, you're still perfecting those skills, but you're just getting better at dealing with other jujitsu mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. From a, from a more of a, of a, how do I supplement my karate and, and, and apple, uh, you know, have, have a different environment and be more comfortable in somewhere that I'm not really working on after that. It's cause you know, it's really just the people that you're going against. That is just getting better against other jujitsu right. people. You will have already gotten a, a good enough skill. You should, should mm-hmm. have developed a good enough level to where most situations you can find your way out of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you get if you get tripped and you fall in your scuffle or they grab onto you, you know how to deal with that in co- combination with your karate training. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was kind of the goal was like, yeah, I want to get my blue belt and I want to do this, you know, Gracie combatives class. And I want to want to get that done because these things are good supplements to that. You know, it, and, you know, anything beyond that is, is cool and mm-hmm. it's great. But, you know, that's just extra. Yeah. Right in in my mind, that was my kind of my my philosophy and yeah. my approach towards it. Another thing that uh, I'll say that I, I learned a lot and really respect a lot. And this, I was thinking about what Oshido Sensei was saying on Saturday is leverage. Right, everything's right. about leverage, mm. and that's another thing where where you have a partner there that's not uh, compliant. You really start to have to experience yeah. that leverage. Uh, and I watched one of the things that blew me away early on. Uh, is watching Damiani Sensei, who probably weighs about 140 pounds, 150 pounds maybe. Mm. Uh, the way he was maneuvering people that were over 200 pounds. Yeah. And it was all about balance. I mean, like watching him roll, uh, sweep them and, and lifting them up in the air, right? He's on his butt and uh, like just with his legs up in the air and it's in slow motion, right? Cause it's just this, cause that's how he rolls with us. He right. doesn't manhandle us. He, he wants us to learn when we're rolling with him. So he's not trying to do things really quickly. He literally does them super slow. <laughs> well, he doesn't, and now he speeds up a little bit, but early on it was right. like really slow, super slow chokes, right? So he wants us to feel that. And I was watching him roll, uh, sweep one of these guys and it, it was just amazing to me because I know how much he weighs. Right. And I know how much the other guy weighs. I'm like, this is proper leverage right here. This is physics. Right. This is two people exploring physics. So another, and, another fun part. And that's the good thing, too, about jujitsu in this aspect is you can, because you can apply everything and not that injuries don't happen. I'm... Mm. evidence of mm. that by I already shoot. had to take three or eh, about two months of off from here <laughs> yeah because I, I I chose my my rolling partner poorly right to, yeah. to to quote the Indiana Jones movie I chose poorly but uh it's more difficult in a lot of times you know because I, I today was working with you know sensei and bunkai and, you know he's like here you do it this way because of this right this is what it's supposed to be like, well, you can only crank somebody's shoulder or throw them like that way or hit them in the throat or, you know, twist their neck in a direction so that it's times. not supposed to go so many times before they just either can't get off the mat or choose not to come back to karate. Yeah. And then, you you know, he's like, if you're doing a, I mean, you can only do a neck crank once on somebody before you either they end in the hospital or you end up in right. jail. Right. So, you know, it's like 
that's where one of the things I do like about jujitsu and that we need to work, you know, in the karate realm, like you were talking about with Yakusoku Kumite and things like that. Yakusoku Kumite is great for its place, mm-hmm. but there needs to be the next step and mm-hmm. the next step and the next step. And even then trying to do those in a, you know, otherwise it just becomes like a, you know, mm-hmm. a dog yeah, pile and exactly. a slug fest. Yeah, and so, yeah. Control is super important. I'm all for it. I'm, right. I really am for the baby steps. You know, we got to, we got to crawl before we can walk, before we can run. Big fan of that. Uh, but even in jujitsu, if you get the right dojo, you can do that. And then I believe that you can progress into the, to the walking and the running faster in yes. a safer environment like that. Karate dojo as well. Um, but te- typically we spend decades doing empty hand kata against the right. air. Well, I mean, and, and as somebody who loves kata, you know, one thing that I will always do, or that I try to do, I hesitate to say the word always, what I'm teaching, and I may have said this before on the podcast, before I even get to a new kata, I will pull the techniques out and either drill those separately and then always explain. I try to always explain for most of the like signature moves, I guess, of a specific mm-hmm, kata. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is what this is. <clears throat> like So before we even get to the kata, you know, the, the, the first move in pinanidan, right, where you've got this hammer fist into this hammer fist, mm-hmm. is I'll just work that and then I'll be like, okay, come here. Okay, so boom, 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 boom. So you're cracking somebody in the nose or you're doing something with a hammer fist. Okay, get with a partner and work this hammer fist, work this hammer fist. Okay, well, guess what? You just learned the, the first move mm-hmm. of the next kata. What? Yeah. Okay, so now that's a drill that you've got. That's a technique. You can come in, you can pop somebody in the head. You can push their arm down and pop somebody in the face. I took that right out of the kata. You didn't even have to like right. think about like, right. oh, what does this kata mean? It's like I just smash them in the nose, right? Okay, there you got it. Um, but that's something that oftentimes can be missed in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Is like, here, just do this move and you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, anything major training wise or karate wise or jujitsu wise up in the uh, in the horizon? Uh, nope. Just a, just a normal grind. A couple demonstrations coming up. Uh, I've been asked to organize something. The U.S. Army's having a here in Okinawa is having a formal gathering. Yep. ball so <clears throat> one of my dojo mates here has asked me to put together a group of people uh to demonstrate kata so we'll be doing that in another week yeah uh, which is always an honor uh but the, the biggest thing i'm happy about that is we've got some of the the local okinawan senseis yep. to come out and do it because that's really where it's at for the cultural exchange um and then uh just kind of keep plugging away at what i'm doing man yeah 2023 Kensan Kai Kangeko. Kangeko. Oh, yeah. When is that? Next week. Next oh, week. Man. Oh, my gosh. Next week. February 24th through the whatever the final day is there when my legs and my arms and everything hurts. But uh, it's still time to, to uh, sign up depending yeah. on when Michael Sensei gets this. Well, hopefully I'm going to get it out <laughs> either tonight or tomorrow. We're, we're, we're already pushing it. Our, our release date is going to be yeah. slightly delayed yeah. from our schedule. The third year with, with Jason Perry Sensei organizing his Kangeko. So. Yep. I'll be in here hopefully every every morning bright and early in the dojo doing the workouts. But uh, other than that, man, just the same old, same old. Okay, so as we wrap up, a couple of flash questions for you here real quick. Oh, flash. Flash questions. Yeah. All right, favorite oh. martial arts movie? <clears throat> oh, the Karate Kid. Okay, Karate Kid. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Karate you Kid. You know that about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know those yeah. B-movies you watch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, don't hate on best of the best. <laughs> Maybe their soundtrack is better. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. 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 Ride them like a toilet seat, Tommy. <laughs> All 
All right. Okay. So if you could go back in time, or let me phrase that. It doesn't have to be back in time. Any martial artist, living or dead, that you could, you could, no, give me one living and one dead that you would like to train with. Uh, doesn't have to be okay. karate. could be anything. Um, okay. I'll give you uh, dead first because it's easier. And it's one that probably no one else really has the desire to to meet or train with, but Nakamura Shigeru, who is okay. credited, kind of credited with being an organizer. Uh, many people will say the original founder of Okinawa Kempo, which I'm sorry to say is just not true, but one of <laughs> okay. the original uh, founders. It was a group of people. Uh, but I, I, there's things that we do in our kata that no one else does and I want to ask him directly right why do we do this why okay. do we have a yokogeti when everybody else has a maigeti so, some things like that right because as you know the Okinawans never ask those questions but right. we westerners we want to know so dead but alive mm. oh man this is a tough one um I wish I had time to prepare but I'm going to I think I'm going to steal, I think I'm, I, I heard you ask Jonathan this, uh -huh. you and Jonathan talked about we, it. We, we talked this, I, I, I did think about I'm it. I'm going to steal his, and I'm going to say, didn't he say George St. Pierre? GSP? I he might have said, he, said he might, GSP, maybe. Um, for his total work ethic mm. um, and his martial arts, you know, ability, I think yeah. I'm going to, I think I would like to spend, I'd like to get into that guy's mind mm. a little bit, spend with him, yeah. Okay. All right. And so now I know that we were wrapping up and I just thought of something I want to go in a complete different direction here real quick. Because you've mentioned this a couple of times, but you, we haven't ever, you don't ever, you never did an Okinawa Cardi podcast about Josh Simmers. True. So, so. You might have to cut this one into two episodes. We may have to do two episodes. Over, we're already. Hour and 10 minutes. Yeah, but you know what? I'll tell you something. Not the last episode. The episode before that was about a 38-minute episode. And <laughs> so I, we're making up time. And, and I got a message from somebody. Like, come on, man. What are you slacking off here? 38 minutes. That's like l below standard. Dang. This is not satisfactory. All right, well, we're... The, and so for our listeners, I won't, I won't necessarily name who it was, James. But, <laughs> but, but you know, th these things happen, right? And so anyways, no, seriously, though. So because you have mentioned this and, and we haven't got a chance to ask. Okinawan Kempo. Yeah. What is Okinawan Kempo? So... Uh, okay, in, I believe it was 1955, uh, I believe 1955, Okinawa Kempo was essentially a group of different dojo, it, it was like a Renmei is today. Okay. You had, um, mostly I think Shodan Ryu practitioners that came together <clears throat> and started a, a group or a club or an association to share kata to maybe share Kobodo, but to share, I think, a lot of Kumite. Mm. And somewhere along the lines, people got this idea that Nakamura Shigeru was the founder. I don't believe this to be true at all. He was one of the founders of this group. Right. But I, I was told, and I, I might have this actually written down, that Shimabukuro Zenero was the first president of Okinawa Kempo. Uh, not Nakamura Shigeru. So, like, many of the Renmei's here will have a kaicho, right? They'll have yeah. a president, vice president, maybe secretary, treasurer, something like that. So, I'm I'm, uh, I'm assuming Okinawa Kempo had the same. 
Um, and Nakamura Shigeru was one of the one of the tenth dons at that time, and he was one of the you know more well known people. And he, as we we know, loved Bogu Kumite. Right. So uh, people will credit him with with bringing the full body gear to yeah. Okinawa. There's actually a picture that you can find of uh, Ken Mabuni. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a he's got like a catcher's mitt. Yeah, and he looks like, like a, Mr. Miyagi a, from Karate Kid, yeah, right? Yeah. And a lot of people or will, catcher's pad shield. Yeah, yep, chest will protector. say that uh, Nakamura Shigeru kind of brought that to Okinawa. Again, I'm not going to say he didn't. Right. But I'm not going to say that he was the one. Right. He was one of mm. people. Right. Did he like it the most? Perhaps. You know, that's what Okinawa that and that's how Okinawa Kempo then kinda got its claim to fame was the the hardcore Kumite. Okay. And like my my sensei, Kina Toshimitsu, and then people below him, his his younger brother, Kiantoto, and a handful of others, they uh, Kata came second. Okay. Kobodo came second. Okay. Kumite came first. And they'll they'll hands out he'll they'll tell you that right now. Odo Seikichi was one on the other hand. Yeah, they did full contact. Um, but Odo was more, Odo Sensei was more into the kata. More into preserving the kata, right? And he brought in a lot of kata to Okinawa Kempo. We have the original 12 that were handed down to us from Nakamura Shigeru. The three Naihanchis, the five Pinans, Niseishi, um, uh, Seisan, Pasai, Kusanku. One of each. Except for the Pinans and the right. Naihanchis, right? But we don't have two Kusankus, two Pasais, or anything else. And then we have 12 weapons kata. Afterwards, uh, yeah, 12. Odose Kichi brought in, I believe when he passed away, there was maybe 18 empty and 18-ish weapons. Really? He was still collecting, yeah. Yep. Uh, but here in Okinawa, I, I only trained the first 12 kata because that's that's all we do. Now, I, I learned Wansu and Anaku when I was back in the States. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's Goji Shiho, Chinto, um, Sanshin, I think there's two Goji Jihos actually, but uh, I don't do them because no one here does. Now, uh, weapons kata, <clears throat> I do I do more than we do here because I train under Sensei Pat Miguel. Right. He was uh, a student of Odo Seikichi for like 22, 22 years, so learned all the weapons that, that Odo Sensei had at the time. Even after Miguel Sensei left Okinawa and went to the to the U.S. for college or anything, I think Oda Sensei was still bringing in some kata, and Miguel Sensei probably didn't learn those. But back to Okinawa Kempo, uh, the claim to fame was the the Kumite. Right. Then in 1969, Nakamura Shigeru dies. Uh, Shimabukuro Sensei dies, and I don't know if it was right before that time frame or definitely afterwards. Okinawa Kempo had fractures like everybody. Right. Like everybody does, right? Um, our kata is primarily based off of much of the Shoden Ryu katas that you'll see, or the Shurite katas, except we do have uh, Seisan, which people want to say came from Tamarite. Yeah, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Yeah. We've got Nisishi that came from somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah, Arakaki at one time, or, you know, Kuniyoshi. Um, I can't say it's from this region of Okinawa or, or China or anything like that. And, and I, I purposely don't go down those rabbit holes. You're right. Um, <clears throat> at a certain point, it really doesn't matter it doesn't in, in many matter. cases. And people have apparently too much time on their hands to argue about pathetic crap. It doesn't change your cut. <laughs> so I, I do not go down those, those yeah. holes. As a matter of fact, I, if, if people from Okinawa Kempo listen to this and they hear me say that that Nakamura Shigeru was not the founder of Okinawa Kempo, they're probably gonna you know chastise me. But 
I don't believe he was the sole founder of Okinawa right. Kempo. He was one of many. Right. Or not many. He was one of a, a one of few. So do you know where because like you you've sent me pictures of or videos, I believe, of your Basai. Your Pasai Kata. Pasai, yeah. Yeah. And it's very different. Very different. Than, this is why I want to talk to Nakamura Sensei. Then, you know, that that's because our Seisan is different. Like 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 Pasai's different. Our Kusanku's yeah. different. Yeah, those especially those two, like coming from Exactly. A, you know, my, you know, I, I come originally from a Shitoryu background, which is, you know, Itosu, you know, yeah. lineage. And then right now, you know, Matsubayashi based you know, originally a break off of Matsubayashi, so still Shodin, but with some, you know, the Tomarite, Tomaribasai, and Wankan, and Chinto, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, like, when I saw your kata, I was like, well, I suppose that could be one of the versions of Basai that are out there yep. that doesn't look almost anything like any of the others. Yeah. yeah. So, you Our know, Naihachi who... Nidan and Naihachi Sandan look different. So, who did he learn from? Where did... <clears throat> he, Do you know? Um, he went to one of these schools down here in in Naha at the time. So his uh, senseis, as far as I understand, uh, he was under Hanashiro Chomo at one point. Okay. Through was it through school or uh, afterwards? I'm not sure. No, no. Um, Kuniyoshi from up in Nago. Okay. So I can't remember his first name. And then he, uh, Nakamura Sensei was also friends with, um, who was the founder of uh, Ryu Ryu, the Nakayama. 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 Yeah. Kenko. Yeah, Kenko. Family. He was friends with them, so there could be some bleed over. Well, I mean, Niseishi. <clears throat> they have Niseishi and Asei-san also, which I believe it might be very similar. Their Niseishi is uh, probably the most similar to ours, but yeah. uh, where did Pasai change and where did um, right. the others... There's some that will say that uh, Nakamura Sensei even trained for a short time, and I don't know that he would claim him as a student, or I don't know if Nakamura Sensei would claim him would have claimed him as a sensei, but supposedly trained at least somewhat under uh, Motuwachoki. Again, I don't know if this is really documented well. Right. Um, but at that same time frame, uh, who else would have been down here in the school systems teaching when when he went down for high school? I don't know. Right. <clears throat> so there's there's huge gaps. <clears throat> there's a lot of people that try to put um, information out there online about it, and there is documentation that I, I think that I would trust um, to probably be the most accurate, but I, I haven't had it translated. Um, well, I, okay, I took it to uh, somebody here on Okinawa, and some of the names on there were so old it was hard to yeah, some of the kanji was yeah so hard to make out and you know you know much better than I do that how different kanji the sounds that kanji can make right and who is this person and, and who is that so yeah it's sometimes even, yeah um, so it's this is why I want him to be resurrected okay this is why I want to ask him I mean there's just there's so many things that we do differently in, in our kata and I want to know why okay that's a great answer. You know, I I mean I I've I've read a lot yeah in English and in Japanese about about karate and yeah. you know Okinawa Kempo doesn't really come up very often. Right. So like my my knowledge of it um is fairly limited. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. excellent. 
Well, yeah. you have anything else for our listeners' way of the fist here? Oh, I, well, I want to say thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. this. This is what it's an hour and twenty hour, minutes going yeah, on here. Or, or, this is the longest podcast I've ever been on, James is, Newman. Well, this is this is not the longest <laughs> podcast that I have ever been. Well, on. Well, okay, this is the longest one I think I've been on this <laughs> on, on this end on this end this end of the microphone. Yeah, I mean, I remember there was somebody. You know, was, who was it? it was like I don't know. Hours, it was a three hours. We, it was yeah. like it turned into. A, you know, three, three usable, session, yeah. three usable episodes, easily yeah. all oh, 30 minutes. Plus. I like the format you have here though. Audio only keep the video yeah. out and just, just rip it and, and, and let it run, man. I, yeah. I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity. Uh, and, uh, I'm glad that I could be the one that encouraged you and Jonathan to do this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> again, you know, I've, I've said this before, but you know, if it weren't for you and then, uh, Tuari with the invisible sensei podcast that, First, I would have never started, and you know, with the Apex Cutout Performance podcast, and then Jonathan and I would have never, never conceived of 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 doing it our own yeah. podcast, and you know, kind of for fear of taking it any longer. But that's, you know, there, you know, we have, you know, with, with it just in the group we mentioned, we have three, four different podcasts. Yeah. That you know, well, do is Apex really? Can, you know, it's like I haven't done anything in a year, but whatever. But, yeah, but, but you there, can man. have, but you can have, you can have, we can all have our own thing and it be our own thing yeah. and it not be a competition yeah. or, you know, just because you're doing one thing doesn't mean that it's detracting anything or making, right. diminishing my or Jonathan's. Rising, or tide, of, rising yeah. tide lifts all boats, man. Yeah. Unfortunately, I actually <clears throat> really hate that saying. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm going to use it. Not going to lie. I'm going to use not it a gonna lot lie. more now. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to use so, it all the time. Anyways, uh, from, you know, on behalf of Jonathan, who unfortunately just couldn't be with us on, on this week's episode, yeah. but I wanted to thank you for uh, joining Appreciate us today, it, hanging out a little bit, and, uh, you know. I want to thank Jonathan for not being here, so I could be. <laughs> I hope, hang on, I hang on, hope, hang on. I hope... <laughs> I hope I did the podcast justice, yeah, Jonathan, I, and I apologize if I ruined it for you and lost lost some some listeners. But uh, uh, I really do appreciate the opportunity. I, I love what you guys are doing with the podcast. I enjoy it listening to. I like that you're you're not the same person. You don't have the same ideas, the same philosophies. So, oh yeah, so no, keep, I mean keep that up. Keep that. Don't. We you know, we agree a lot. Yeah, yeah, but not always. But not yeah, always. Yeah. And we're like, okay, well, you can think that. I mean, I hate to, I, I don't want to tell you that you're wrong, but you're wrong. But you can keep thinking. <laughs> but if that. I agree with you, then two of us would be wrong, right? right I know exactly. what you're thinking. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, you know, and and that's what it is. You know, I got some feedback. You know, Jonathan, I got got a got a message a couple weeks ago, and was like, hey, we really, I really enjoy your podcast, and thanks for not like being that we know everything all the time mm. right and it's mm -hmm. like yeah i don't know everything i mean i know the things that i know and i'm confident in the knowledge that i have mm -hmm. but there will always be somebody who's bigger better and stronger than you are and it, even in the you know the podcast and you know like i said that's that's where we can all rising rising tides, tides. something, something. Like that. i heard something and about so, something and... anyways all right well i'm gonna take us out now so anyways uh for our listeners where can they listen catch up with you listeners can find me at uh instagram facebook and youtube at okinawa karate podcast 
Uh, audio only format is on whatever podcast listener you you use, Okinawa Karate Podcast. And uh, probably most updated information now is out there on YouTube. Uh, so go out there and check it out. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Okinawa Karate Podcast. All right. Okinawa Karate Podcast. So this has been your co-host, Michael Hagen from Way of the Fist, coming to you live from Okinawa, Japan. So we'll see you on the next time.